Audio Only is live. Hello, Audio Only folks. Prepare to hear outtakes and farting noises. Little baby farts. Little baby farts. The little baby farts. Welcome to another exciting episode of Little Baby Farts. Alright, let's get your mic on. And let's get the backup, what will ultimately be the YouTube channel upload going. Oh, lots of cats. Oh, lots of cats. Lots of cats. Swiss. Swiss. Swiss, what are you doing? Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Oh, Frankie. Don't fight him. I'll fight anybody. I'm Frankie. I'm Frankie, and I'll fight anybody. Alright, let's get the YouTube channel up and running, or the YouTube video, anyway. What if we did this? No. we got to figure out a better lighting rig for the YouTube video before it gets finalized. This is super off-center. There we go. Alright, YouTube channel is... Video is recording, and we are live! Look at that! I did everything all at once before I started anything. I am amazing. Hello, everyone. I am the Sus Man Rick's... Oh, your camera's... Your, your, your repile's on camera. Okay. Quick, take it away, take it away. It has to be a surprise. Anyway, I am the Sus Man Rick Sussman, joined, as always, by the original Angry Nerd Girl herself, Elle Lestrange, the first Angry Nerd Girl, it should be pointed out. Probably. Probably not. <laughs> it's a good gimmick. Uh, welcome to another exciting, fantabulous, mambalous episode of The Read Pile. Uh, this week we have comic books to review as normal and nerd news to discuss as somewhat normal. Uh, I'd also like to point out that on this week's Read Pile, my Read Pile is once again significantly more stacked than L's. But in fairness, I believe you reviewed 12 books last week? No, it 10. It was a lot. Uh, I have three. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> three. 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 Well, I have one. Yes. And then they threw one in. Yes. And then I went and found one. <laughs> Technically, I found it, but okay. I had it on my list, but when I read about it, I was like, totally different. Totally different. Totally different. All right. Okay. Well, before we get to that, uh, there was... I chipped my nail. Before we get to any comic book reviews, we have a couple of pieces of nerd news. Nerd news number one, uh, Space Bastards Volumes 3 and 4, the hardcover, oversized hardcover special editions, are on their way to us here at Read Pile Studios. And it's like the ones we have? Yes, it's going to be Volume 3, Volume 4. Um, but we are going to do a special unboxing. Now, if you follow the Space Bastards on Instagram, and you should, uh, you would know that some of the volumes are being packed with special edition weapons inside of them, like a butcher knife or things like that. So I'm very hopeful that we were selected to receive one of those weapons, and if we are, when we unbox it, it'll be even more exciting. I know. I know. That'll be amazing. It would be. We'll find out. Hopefully that'll be here later this week, uh, and we'll do a live unboxing depending on when it shows up. Um, Ella Strange, uh, the other big nerd news of the week, uh, sort of of the week, it's kind of been falling under the radar, ironically enough. Mm -hmm. uh, some people know about it, some people don't know about it, but it only, you only know about it if you, <laughs> Frankie, that was really graceful, if you have Paramount Plus, and that, it, hang on, why don't you slide a little bit over here, 
There you go. Now we're perfect. Um, Halo, the live-action series, debuted on Paramount+. Plus. I am a big Halo fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played the first game uh, in my dorm and then in my fraternity house. We, we were one of the first fraternity houses because we were nerds to have a LAN party of just Halo, so people would be in the main living room playing Halo, and people would be in their subsidiary rooms all playing the same Halo map. It was so much fun, I remember that, and now we get a TV show. Yeah. I feel like there are things that you were supposed to tell me before we got married. That would have been one. And then the other one... It's gone now. (laughs) My rat tail? Yeah. (laughs) You talking about my rat tail? Yeah. You talking about my rat tail that's now back in fashion? People wear them now, not ironically. Onyx, I swear to God, if you turn off my audio only again, I am going to kick you right in the butthole, just directly out this entire room. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna punch you, buddy. I'm gonna do it right on TV, right on, right on Twitter. We're gonna get angry letters. Onyx. 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 There we go. All right. So yes. We watched the first episode of uh, Halo on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, give us free stuff. Um, yeah, they give a shit about us. What did you think as a non-Halo nerd? Because I can tell you my perspective was a lot of me doing this. <laughs> There's a lot of fan service, and to which I say, good. But you didn't recognize the fan service as much. I did not. I, I knew the basics because past boyfriends played the game. Oh, wow, Onyx, you turned the light off. <laughs> Amazing. Well done, He's buddy. Learning. He, they're learning. <laughs> so, yes, you, you, you had nerd boyfriends before you had a nerd husband, yes. and they played the video game. <clears throat> and that's, that's how I knew of the game. I did not actually play Halo. In fairness, you myself. don't play video games, period. Not really. Yeah. but You did love Zombies vs. Plants, though. <laughs> I specifically like playing it on the computer, though. <laughs> <laughs> you like playing a mobile it's not game. The same, it's not the same as, I think there was a PS2 yeah, game. Yeah, Hated it. All not right. the same experience. On my phone, <laughs> not the same experience. Oh, okay. It has to be on a big computer. <laughs> I don't know why. Not even a laptop. Maybe. I haven't tried it on a laptop. There you that go. You have a laptop. You should oh, try my. it. There you go. Oh, my. Download that 199 game. That's on me. <laughs> So, what did you think of the Halo TV series? Now, we've only seen one episode. I did rather enjoy it. Because yes. the little bit that I knew about Halo, I was seeing it. Yes. So, it was familiar to me in the ways that it was. So, I was uh, able to at least grab on to some kind of knowledge of it to be able to enjoy it. Because sometimes I feel like when you go into those kind of shows and everything that are specifically about like a game or whatever, it's for like those people that are fans of whatever it is. Right. It's hard for others to because there'll be a lot of like little hidden things, yes. with treasures and yes. stuff everywhere. Easter eggs. And Easter eggs. And just it's. I'm sure I miss a lot of that. Um, I will tell you this, what you missed was not as important as what was being shown. Mm -hmm. I think they did a great job of doing a lot of, like, eh, eh. The best part about it, and also the dumbest part about it, without question, is seeing 
uh, from Master Chief's point of view inside his helmet, and it's literally just the H just the heads up display from the video game. Which even you were like, oh, "That's funny. That's the video game, isn't it?" And I, and I sat there. And I went, <laughs> I, stuff like that, I did find entertaining, even though I don't play the games. I don't yeah. play games. Yes. Uh, the fact that they, I could respect that level of nerd. I respect this. I respect. Uh, I enjoyed it. I'm interested to see um, how long it goes. I also know that there's been some weird backlash on Twitter and on uh, social media about it. I don't know why. I don't particularly care. Does this... Okay, without really getting into it, you know, in case some haven't started watching it yet, but could you tell me if the storyline that they are going with in the TV series... He's playing with dice. He's playing with a dice. Oh, oh my god, he rolled a natural d20. We're all gonna die! <laughs> so, he, uh... Damn it, damn it, damn it! Okay. <laughs> anyway, so, the story that is going yeah. uh, into, this, like, the TV so this, series, is it the same in the game? Or no. one of the games? Kind of. So, it feels to me like they're bridging the timeline between the, the prequel games, the games that happened before, and then... The very first game, when you land in the very first game, when you start the very first game, you're already, you know, mind-wiped Master Chief. You you're, you believe in the game, at least in, I think, the first two or three games, that you're just a, uh, a robot. You're just this really big robotic unit. Um, and then the lore started growing out from there, and they started going backwards and doing, like, games that happened before the original game where you found out that you're actually, you're, you're not a Spartan, your name was Spartan. And things like that, and uh, it, it became like a big deal. And then later on, you started being able to like create your own Spartan unit, and that's why uh, all the you, you get to see like the three or four different versions of the Spartan armor. Like one's a sniper armor, one's like the girl with two guns. I noticed and, that they were different. And then there was the Even big brute the armor and things like that. Um, so there was a lot of like hidden stuff and a lot of real fun things. My question is always my question about shows like this. Exactly how many seasons are we conceivably getting? Because they do have to throw in a whole new storyline, like featuring this um, uh, uh, rebel person who's joining up with Master Chief. I don't know anything about that. I don't know if that was in the video games. But I will tell you this. When they, when they made the reference to Cortana, I started nerding out pretty significantly. One quick side note, and then we'll move on. If you buy any Microsoft product, any Microsoft product, it comes pre-installed with a little program in the bottom left-hand corner that helps you navigate your computer. Do you know what that little program is that's pre, uh, uh, pre-installed that comes with every Microsoft computer? Mm-hmm. It's called Cortana. Mm-hmm. And they did that specifically for how big Halo was. They incorporated the AI Cortana into all computers. <laughs> all right, moving on. Al, you have a very thin the read file this week. Come to learn from <laughs> Professor Rick. <laughs> I am a coach. I am a training manager. I I can teach you things. Look at these guns. Look at these guns. My arm hurts so much right now from flexing. <laughs> what do you got for us, Al? All right. So, like I said, I only have... Take your time. I only have three. It was very sad, uh, but this is what Onyx has been spinning behind in the back. It's a it's a D10. Anyway, but you have three books, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. one of which you were super excited about. 
one of which you were super excited about, but you didn't know why, and one of which you hated, uh, but you're like, fine, I'll read it. And I have a guess. The fine, I'll read it is going to be your pick of the week. <laughs> so we are going to start and this is in the order that I read them. okay fair enough this is Count Crowley issue 104 from uh, Dark Horse Comics big side note we have a lot of Dark Horse Comics on the read pile this week and I'm all for it uh, I'd also like to point out the fact that I did it again <laughs> oh what did you do now <laughs> so I saw that this was yeah. releasing um, but I didn't really look into it a lot. I'll yeah. be honest. The fucking the title and the cover. Yes, I know and Crowley. I, you think it's Victor Crowley? I told you the I Crowley was, name is long-standing. I know, I know, but I knew. I felt like just the fact that it was that title. I, just I mean, I know a Crowley. His name's Tom. He's a buddy of mine. He's been a buddy of mine for like twenty-two years. So I was like, well, I just I have to. It, it, it's referring to it's, it, the the under you know underneath there is this immature midnight. Monster Hunter. So right. I was like, how could I turn that away? How could you turn this down? I didn't think to call ahead for them to add it to my list. I saw it was Dark Horse, so I was like, eh, they should have it. Dark Horse, one of four. You know? Seems pretty likely they'd have a copy. Yeah, for you. and well, there you go. They put it in our box anyway. Yes. So it worked out. Here's the thing what I did again. Ah, once again, and... Oh, look, there's actually an ad for Manor Black in here. Yes, because I did the same damn thing to this one. Uh, this is volume two. Oh, is that right? <laughs> is that right? So, starting completely... You're just picking up You're just picking up the second episode. Oh, wow, we got a whole bunch of new people. Hey, everybody, welcome to the show. Um, so, you started with, with volume... This is volume two of the series, uh-huh. in issue one. Yes. How did you like it? I did like it. Okay. I still... I you had still... no idea what was going on? pretty lost but, <laughs> but, but a lot of things came together uh i feel like you probably could get away with just continuing to go ahead and read or whatever but now, I did i'm see going to order a, the there, <laughs> yeah i know i know you cost me more money once again i did see there was a uh a cat in here as well that makes a a cameo so that must have been a big deal for you it was an orange tabby that's okay. Okay. But you liked Count Crowley. What did you like about it? Okay, so... Tell me. What I was going to say is uh, a lot of it will tell you um, a little bit about the past. That makes sense. You know, you um, get a little explanation here and there, but from the way it reads, you should have read the first one okay. to really Understand. get where I the main you. character is right now. I got you. Uh, main character is Jerry Butler. Uh, and basically, in the first volume, um, what I read is that a lot of shit just happens, you know, crazy shit left and right and everything. She just basically finds herself uh, at rock bottom uh, and eventually finds her way to being uh, the host of Creature Features. Ah. Uh, which, from the looks of it, just by the first page of this issue, it's like the creep show. Yes. You know, it, it, it's so... But in turn, you know, it's quickly established that there really are monsters. There's vampires and werewolves and things like that. That's so, a running theme of a lot of our books. It's like, no, no, vampires are real. No, no, they're real. They're real. They're there. Yeah. Uh, so here she is stuck in amongst all of this. Uh, and 
I find it very funny that some people in her life just think that she's just an alcoholic. (laughs) 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 And she finds herself in AA and actually comes face to face to the werewolf, I guess from volume one, One. that she's like, I gotta kill you. (laughs) What are you doing here? (laughs) Sorry, friend. But it gets even funnier, like the fact that you meet his girlfriend. Yeah. And I have to share this joke because this will just sell it. His girlfriend yes. that turned him into yes. a werewolf, her name is Crystal. Okay. Guess what they like to do together? W- watch movies? Crystal Meth. Oh, <laughs> What is this, a bad drag show? <laughs> Wasn't there actually a drag queen in the most recent season known as the Crystal Method? I, yeah, there was. It was the Crystal Method. I remember her. She was like Canada or something. I think it's amazing. I, I love... I love this kind of stuff. So, so David, I have to. I David Dust Malchus lost a lot of stuff, I but I did pick up a lot of it. But just I reading some summary stuff, but yeah. obviously, I just tried to keep it very like to like the vague, you know, descriptions of Volume One because I wanted. I, I still. Oh, I would like you don't to like to back. research things on on your phone and then spoil entire series for people. He's so mad about the fan. Can be mad about that for a while. But yes, we'll get you volume one. Yes. And you'll get more of the Crowleyness. Of course. Thank you, Dark Horse, for making things so easily volumized. And this is an easy cosplay. (laughs) It is an easy cosplay. That's true. My Christopher Chance cosplay, however, might even be easier. It's going to be just as easy as Daddy Superman. Daddy Superman? You remember Daddy Superman? Daddy Superman was a good look for me. I got that picture on my phone. Thank you. What's next (laughs) on your The Read Pile? Ah! Trial of the Amazons, uh, what is this, Wonder Girl? Wonder Girl issue one. So yes. this is, so here's something, this is the variant cover, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have the, uh, what number of Trial of the Amazons it I is. I know, you were so happy about I that. I thought it was cool. Um, I don't know what the other cover looks like, I didn't, didn't even grab know it. there was yeah. another one. But this is part three. I'm assuming there was, there always is another cover. Yeah. Well, that's uh, why it's the variant cover, not the standard. I'm just saying, in general, there's always more than one cover. Fine. So, so, this is part three of the Trial of the Amazons. This specifically has to do with Yara, I'm guessing, and what appears to be a horse. Yeah. Uh, you do get to learn a lot more um, about what happened after the battle in Olympus. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was what the storyline was in Wonder Girl. Um Damn, that's some good art. With her, and uh, it, was, it was like seven issues. Yes. So you do get to have a, a little bit more of uh, explanation as to like kind of what happened afterwards and how she finds herself back with her tribe. Yara. Uh, uh, yep. Yeah. And she finds out a little bit more about where she came from uh, and their customs and everything. And so it's really cool to be able to see that, to get that that little bit, you know, obviously there's just so much more you could learn, uh, but, you know, they don't, it, you could tell that it was purposely done just as kind of like a memory in a right. way, because they don't want to just ignore everything else that's got to be covered. And so, you also get to uh, learn uh, about... Uh, Basically, that something actually came and attacked them, uh, just as it did with the other mm-hmm. uh, tribe. And so they told them, and they were like, "Hey, you know, uh, 
we had something happen too here. Okay. So you're seeing that something came out of Doom's doorway Fair at enough. some point. Okay. Uh, and you know, maybe it's the same thing. Maybe it's just that we're just seeing the fact that this the, the, the importance of having that door protected is because things are starting to leak through. Gotcha. Uh, so it, you're starting to learn that you know this is like really like we're cracking down on time for this trial. Sure. But at the same time, you still have Cassie trying to figure out who killed, killed Hippolyta. Hippolyta. Right. Uh, which, you know, it, she seems like she's pretty damn close to it right now. Uh, but... Was it Killer Croc? It was Killer Croc. Sure. <laughs> I didn't see... I didn't see uh, a reference to a couple of things that I really wanted to know about yet, so I'm hoping that it, just not now, we'll learn more later... Was this was this a quiet uh, issue? Overall, not really. You did learn a lot. Okay. You're just learning it from like a different angle, and I like that idea of this whole story because you are you're seeing things from different angles from people. To uh, in this particular issue, you're seeing it from the point of view of not just Yara but also Cassie. Cassie mm. talks like narrates a lot, and you know you're hearing her thoughts about. Uh, looking into the investigation and everything mm -hmm. and having to question those that she considers to be very close friends, but she can't... Yeah, she's got to investigate that. them, right. Uh, so you can see how troubling it is amongst uh, all the Amazons and just how they are having to deal with so many things at different levels. You even... One thing I will point out, last thing, is when Yara speaks about how the Themyscarians look up to the gods. And you know her yeah. experience that just happened. Yeah. <laughs> how she was uh, basically imprisoned, you know, and True. you know they were going to force her to be there, and she did not want to be there. Uh, and she just doesn't see why is it that we look upon them as if, they are to be worshipped, you know? Yeah, what have the gods ever done for us? They don't, they're not down here dealing with shit. They're the ones causing it. <laughs> no causing it. So you get to see that that part. Her as an Amazon saying that is very powerful. I, and, I get that, yeah. And, you, and you're, you're, you're seeing how there's different views out there. So, I get that. Right. I, it's very good. I love it. I love the idea of just knowing more about Amazons and just everything that's going on. So, but not your pick of the week. It's not quite. Not quite your pick of the week. No. Well, why don't you tell us what is? Oh, okay. The Rogues. Rogues, this is a black label. Yes, DC black label. Book one. Uh, by Joshua Williamson, who just has wrapped up a fantastic run on Batman, which unfortunately I didn't get much reviews of, because quite honestly I got it out of order, and then by the time I finished reading it, it was already done. But anyway, uh, this is what? I mean, I know who the rogues are. I mean, that's clearly a Captain Cold on the on the back here. This. So. I am, I don't read a lot of Flash-heavy stories, mm. so I'm not... We watch the TV show. Like two, three even seasons. then, they really focus on like <laughs> other flash. Yeah, anyway, so <clears throat> you are basically seeing uh, Flash's villains. Yeah, the rogues. Uh, yeah, and so they are referred to as the rogues. Uh, you're, you actually do get a big jump 
uh, into the future, um, about 10 years. So mm. the story is now basically taking place uh, where all of these characters, they're either dead, they're locked away, uh, they are, they're old, broken, and they're just out of the game. Yeah, so, just trying to live regular schnook lives. And you get to see, you know, you get to see all these different characters and where they're at and where they're trying to continue their lives. Uh, and it's very, very sad because you would see those same characters you know, when they're evil, they're happy. <laughs> and I now, just want to do what I love, and, and what I love is turning people into down, icicles. Having to work in warehouses, just getting everyday jobs. Just you know, and basically, um, you immediately. What one thing I I thought was kind of sad, but you had to be realistic about the situation. Two big characters that I actually knew mm. uh, are, can, are are dead. They are referred to as being dead, and then replaced with two that I don't really know. But they even point out they're like, "Oh yeah, you'll take so and so's place, and you'll take so and so's place." <laughs> We're the, fine. We're the, the rogues. rogues are interchangeable. <laughs> Welcome to the rogues. That guy's dead. Welcome to the rogues. <laughs> so basically. Um, what it came down to is that uh, the story, you'll even see back cover, front cover, Captain Cold is the main character here. Yes. He, he is the one that has cracked uh, after all this time and said, I can't take this anymore. I'm tired of being laughed at by these kids that I, I have to work for. And then, you know, I'm like... He feels like he's the he, Rick who goes nuts at that... Uh, that cookie-making plant and shoots his yes, boss. Yes, yes. He's like, why am I... No, I'm stronger than this. I, I can I can take over this city. I'm going to take over this city. Watch I, it. I, I'll do it. Fuck this. Me and my ice gun. You know, you feel bad because you see how he gets, like, his house turned over and everything, parole officers and stuff. But anyway, the the idea is that he, he's had enough and he is going to assembler, assemble, <laughs> assemble a team and... You know, rogue ventures. They're going to do some crazy simple. shit. And what they have in mind, I don't know if they're going to pull it off. Yeah. But. It's a limited series because it's, it's black label. Very, very entertaining. I love it. Um, you do see a very dark side to Captain Cold. Uh, but. He's a villain. He's a villain. He's a villain. He's a villain. He's going to do villainous stuff. He's going to do villainous stuff. Uh, but I, I'm very excited. I don't know why. I was not sure about it when I read about yeah, it. Yeah, who told you? And then somebody encouraged me who at told, the shop. Who, oh, who was? Oh, at the shop. I, I think you, I think you cornered me. I, and they turn off the cameras because they. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you for that read, pile, Ella Strange. Well done. Thank you. Congratulations on reading something you said. I don't want to read this. It looks terrible. And then it turns out it's your pick of the week. This actually is so good. I I love stories where like they jump in the future, just like the whole thing with Batman and Catwoman right now. And, and, and then Catwoman City, a Lonely City by Cliff Shang. It's great. Which is also a black label. It's almost like the black label books are free to do whatever they want, but they're also free to do whatever they want in the regular books. And then there's books that don't take place in any continuity, but they're not black label books. <laughs> I'm not going to do the rant again, but I am mad about it. <laughs> Moving on. Thank you for that read pile, L. Um, 
Before we get started, I would like to start with a book that technically can't be my pick of the week, but was absolutely phenomenal, and I'm kind of sad. It is We Have Demons. This is the hard, uh, or, I'm sorry, this is the, uh, the physical copy of issue one. This is a Comixology original. Uh, which means that it was a uh, uh, digital ver- digital first version. And we've had many digital first comics on the repile. Um, this is by Greg Capullo and Scott Snyder, two people whom I care about greatly, um, who are fans of ours, and we are absolutely fans of theirs. Of course, best known for their incredible run on Batman in the New 52. Absolutely phenomenal. So when I found out they were teaming up again, I wanted to get my hands on We Have Demons. When I found out it was a digital first comic... I was a little disappointed, but I totally understood. I said, oh, well, I guess I just won't have a copy of it. But when I found out they were making actual hard versions of it, actual physical versions of it, I immediately jumped all over it. I probably could break the rules and make it my pick of the week if I so wanted to, but there's a lot of great books out there. Can you explain to me, though, what what that means? So it's digital first. Yes. So it's, it's... Available. It's available um, online on Comixology, yes. How long before the hardcover came out? This was a, at least, I believe, a month or so. This has been a while. Is, is that something that's going to keep going? That I think that's going to be... I think, I think we're going to start seeing that more and more and more and more uh, as more writers and creators sign up to Substack and Comixology and all these other things. It's easy to make digital comics. Uh, well, let me rephrase that. It's easier to make digital comics because you're just drawing them and you don't have to worry about paper. As far and as getting it out there to Correct, people, you know? correct. Not that it's necessarily easier, easier. on the, the artist, or, yeah, no. you know, yes. uh, creators and everything. So it's just, yeah, I I don't want to go that way. I know. You know what happens. Yeah. Basically just doubled everything. I know, because I know, because we'll need a digital we copy. And then, I know, I know, And then we'll I know. have to have I know, digital. I know. But it would probably, you know, Whittle down like all these that we don't really like, you know, we no, digitally. And then we're do like, you see oh, how many boxes of comics we have over there? We're worried about the weight of the of the because we're on the second floor. Anyway, let me talk about We Have Demons. We Have Demons is actually a really cool concept. Uh, another book where uh, you know evil exists in a real form. But what I love most about this is that it comes with a preamble. Which basically says, you know, this is a story about the fall of man, about how uh, humanity suffers, and there's going to be lots and guts. And, and I'm quoting here, um, there will be people pulling guts out through their buttholes all around the earth cracks open and the sky crashes down. But that's not the, hey, this is what's up. The, hey, this is what's up is it has a lot to do with God folk, people who have strong faith. And it's all about having faith and having, you know, a belief system. I loved We Have Demons. I also want to give a shout out. Uh, Because I feel that Gus, one of the main characters, is clearly just the oversized demon version of Greg Capullo. I I think the mustache alone kind of gives that away. Um, But it definitely looks like what if Greg Capullo was a demon-hunting demon with a giant broadsword. And I'm going to give this away just so I I think everyone out there can see it. It looks great. The art, of course, is Greg Capullo art. It's amazing. The writing is very good. I'm going to have to decide if I need to, you know, like, put my thumb on the scale... And give that, you know, pick of the week status when the next issue comes out. I did this, of course, with uh, Derek's uh, Batman, which was a digital first. Mm -hmm. So it's not uncommon for us to make digital first comics to make the actual physical copy of it our pick of the week, even though it already debuted months ago. We'll see. Um, All I can tell you is that that was a dynamite first issue. I absolutely loved it. I cannot wait to read more about it. Part of me wants to go online and buy all the digital first comics 
just to read it and, you know, just cause to satiate myself. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I want to do is I kind of want to play it like we do with TV shows now, where some shows upload one episode at a time, or some shows they just give you the entire series. So, like, we watched all of Human Resources over the course of three days. Or... Well, we had to sleep. Or there's Star Trek Picard, which only up- uploads one at a time. You know, the, it's a binge reality. Anyway, yeah. m- moving on. Issue two of The Lion and the Eagle. This is uh, Garth Ennis and PJ Holden from Aftershock Comics. Uh, this is, again, uh, more of Garth Ennis giving us sweet, cool wartime uh, information. The story in and of itself is fun-esque. It's, it's, hard to, it's hard to review it because it feels much more like I'm watching, uh, I'm reading uh, essentially a documentary. And Garth is very good about his history. He loves making comic books that are based in actual history or are just history lessons. And that's part of the reason why I love Garth Ennis so much is that I'm a big history nerd too. So it does make for kind of a difficult read though in terms of, you know, you have your group that you're cheering for, but in war, is anyone really the hero? Is anyone really the villains? Well, the Nazis tend to be the villains. So, you know, you can sort of root against the Nazis. Um, But in this one, we are learning about the British who are teamed up with... uh, the people of India, who are also uh, teamed up with this other smaller group of people called the Gorkas, uh, who I don't know about. Up, I think they're, um, I want to say they're Tibetan, but that doesn't sound right. At any rate, these are very war-hardened people who do not have a problem. Gurkha, G-U-R-K-H-A. Do not have a problem going to hand-to-hand combat and are quite good at it. I'm liking this, but it's very hard for me to review it because it's like, do you like, do you like history? Do you like watching the History Channel? What if somebody made a comic book that was sort of like a dramatized version of history? It could be good. It might just be boring to some people. I don't know. It Well, maybe it's not that it's bad writing or it's, you know, not highlighting some of the things you do like, but maybe it's just not something that entertains you. This entertains me. Oh. It entertains the oh. shit out of me. Okay, I thought I just don't... No, 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 I love it. Because, again, it's history. I'm a history buff. I'm learning about history. I'm learning about how the British were teamed up with the Chinese to take on the Japanese in 1942 Indonesia. Then why is it not your pick of the week? Because I don't think it really crosses over. Like, I think this is... Remember how much I loved Chu? Mm -hmm. And how I was like, volume one of Chu... uh, The new volume, Chu, C-H-U, was basically just like a love letter to the people who read the first actual volume of Chu. Mm -hmm. I feel like the, the, uh, the Lion and the Eagle are very much just for, hey, are you a history buff? Do you like history? Do you like fun things? Read this. It's also a really expensive comic. I mean, really expensive. It's a lot of value, and it's a decent size, but it's $8 for this. And it's a bit much. I'm not going to lie. It's a bit much. mine's like the same deal here, but no, it's $7. Yeah, I mean, it's that's the other thing, is that's a bit tough, you know? It's a bit tough to go on and on about an issue two that's $8 and things like that, but it bees what it is. Moving on. This is something I really enjoy, but it's kind of a filler, not a filler issue, it's a, it's a we're getting restarted issue. So this is the end of volume one of Task Force Z. This is Task Force Z issue six. Uh, Batman makes an appearance, Batman and Red Hood get into it, Dr. Bloom makes his great escape, and then we get to see the origin of Task Force Z, even, when, uh, even as Amanda Waller comes up with a name for it. We find out that the first thing they resurrect is a fish man who looks awful lot like Killer Croc. Um, but they are using Resurrection Man, one of my favorite characters of all time. I have both 
Resurrection Man runs, all the issues. Mm -hmm. I love Resurrection Man. So what they've done is they've taken Resurrection Man's power. Resurrection Man, one of my favorite characters ever. Do you know what his abilities are? When he dies, he resurrects with a different superpower. With a different superpower. Every time he resurrects, he has a different power or ability. Have you ever seen him repeat one? Uh, no, there's only like 30 issues total. Uh -huh. So they didn't, they didn't run into that problem. And that's across two volumes. But uh, it was a Vertigo comic, which I adored. It was uh, part of the DC New 52, which I adored. He makes a lot of appearances in Task Force Z. It's his powers and abilities to resurrect that fuel Task Force Z. Task Force Z suffered... Ooh, sorry, camera. Suffered heavy losses in the last couple issues. It looks like Deadshot is dead, but like permanently dead. Arkham Knight appears to be gone. A number of main characters are gone. Um, Bane is back, and he's sort of like becoming more sentient. Um, their man bat's head was gone. He's done, like the, once the brain is destroyed, there's it's hard to repair. So I really, really, really like Task Force E. This is clearly setting up the next volume. Jason and Batman had a very, very, very strong split where Jason Todd essentially. It's also kind of weird because Jason Todd has this like knockdown beat him up with Batman. And while he's yelling at Batman, he's like, you trained me. You're like a father to me. You brought me into your world. You did all this. Meanwhile, all of Task Force Z is just sort of sitting there watching this. So you've got like Harvey Dent and Bane and other of these, you know, major supervillains who are all just sort of like, so we all know who Jason Todd is. Does anyone want to look up to see who it was that adopted Jason Todd? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the story does fall apart very quickly. You know, one piece of information. <laughs> like everyone's sitting there going, "Man, Batman is fighting Red Hood," but we all know Red Hood is Jason Todd. They all know Red Hood's been killed a couple of times and resurrected. But like, while he's sitting there yelling at Batman, he might as well have just yelled, "Listen here, Bruce Wayne!" And it's just sort of like, "Is is does Harvey know?" And then you really start thinking about it more and more. Like, how many villains in Gotham? are aware that Batman is Bruce Wayne, but nobody bothers does doing anything about it. Like, they're more afraid of Bruce Wayne than Batman. <laughs> well, there's this, great, there's this great episode of SNL where The Rock guest starred, and at one point he was Superman. Oh, okay. He was doing a really shitty job of hiding that he was Superman because, like, you could see his cape sticking out the back of his shirt, and he's like, his glasses are all half on, and he's like, oh, and they're like, uh... Clark, you need to button your shirt more. And, like, you can see the S, and he goes, oh, my bad. <laughs> and everyone just sort of like, yeah, good good for you, Clark. Good for you. I'm wondering if, like, there's a similar thing happening in Gotham where all the villains are like, sure thing, Batman. <laughs> but here, let me, let me just show you. Like, it, it's really hilarious. As smart as the villains are in Gotham. Right. <laughs> you would think. They would put some time in trying to figure out who he is. All right, so Batman, so Batman and Red Hood are fighting, and you know, you raised me, you were a father to me. Meanwhile, you can see in the background there's there's Doctor Freeze and Bane and Two Face, <laughs> and he's just yelling at Bruce Wayne with his helmet totally off. They already knew it was Jason Todd anyway, so it's it's one of those things where it's like ah ah. Big ups to Matthew Rosenberg by the way for writing this fantastic series. Very much in love with it. I hope we get more of it. If it ends, it ends. I don't care. I'm getting every issue. I will never not collect uh, Task Force Z. It is that fun. It's just, it's silly. It's ridiculous. People die. People are resurrected. Gimme, 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 gimme. All right, moving on. 
Ben Riley Spider-Man. Of course, my favorite Spider-Man ever. Um, this uh, we rejoin Spider-Man as he's taking on the female Doc Ock, the Lady Octopus, who uh, his name is Carolyn Trainer, um, who was the daughter of Seward Trainer. And apparently, these names are supposed to matter if you're a big Spider-Man fan. I'm not. I'm a big Ben Riley fan. I don't care. They do a good. Uh, uh, J.M.D. Mateus does a great job of explaining who these characters are and why they matter and why they're important. We are learning more about Ben Riley as he's trying to sort of uh, acclimate to being Spider-Man. We know that Peter has left New York. He's gone, and now it's Ben's turn to be Spider-Man for a while. It's a very fun, action-packed issue. At one point, Craven um, shows up, but he's not Craven, and Ben is trying to figure out, is the Jackal back? The Jackal is the guy who cloned him originally, and his brother Kane, uh, who is now Scarlet Spider when Ben was originally Scarlet all the way down the list. But we, f- we find out who the big bad of the series is going to be. Uh, it's a whole new character created for this. And I'm just... Read, read his name to yourself. I thought that was a little weird name. I thought that was a bit odd. Right? It Side. Like it, it sounds like, like a suicide. bug repellent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe that's the point. I was a little taken aback by the name, but the Humanity Agenda issue 3 was very good. It continues along the same uh, great writing and great art. I do have to comment on it, though. If you're not a big Ben Riley fan, you might not be as into it as I am. I love seeing Ben being able to cut loose and actually like show a lot of his power and a lot of his I'm not into this whole great power comes great responsibility BS. I really enjoy this book a lot. I'm interested to see where the new villain goes. And who he's, how he's related to Ben, how they're technically brothers. It's kind of weird, but I'm all for it. But here's the thing I have. Hmm. After the Humanity Agenda wraps up, because it's a five-issue miniseries, and I don't read, you know, I don't read solicitations, I don't read previews, a lot of these answers could be, uh, could be confirmed if we just looked them up online, but when you look things up online, sometimes you inadvertently spoil things for yourself. At any rate, I don't know how much longer the book's going to continue beyond the first five issues, and here's the thing. I don't know if I necessarily need it to. I love these little look-ins on some of my favorite characters ever, Ben Riley being one of them. I don't know if I want a whole, excuse me, ongoing forever. You know me. You know us. We hate ongoing forevers. Mm-hmm. They get really frustrating. Woman. No, you hated Wonder Woman. I have offline moments. <laughs> I still buy them. <laughs> Sometimes I have to take a break and I just... 786, 788, 789, 790, 9,000. So, I don't know if Ben is going to continue beyond issue 5. I'm fine if it does. But if it ends at 5, I think that would be awesome. I think that would be great. Okay. You feel like you would, you would have gotten enough of that Ben Riley. Yeah, it would have, the nostalgia bug would have been scratched. Okay. All right. One more book. Well, you said that one there wasn't going to be, so you might as well go with it. Well, right I, uh, yeah, no, no, no. I, I, wait, wait, I got, I've the, got a. The things change. I've got a plan here. I've got oh, a plan here. Okay. We're going to start with the penultimate edition of the Fourth Man, properly titled the Third Man. So, in the fourth issue, uh, we find another dead body, and as less the previous two issues, we find out how this body got dead. Um, we also are starting to find out why it's called the fourth man and how this... So if you may remember, this all started because there's a, there are two rival used car salesmen that work across the street from each other. Okay. The one used car salesman who's losing to the other used car salesman in sales has decided he's going to kill that guy. F*** 
fuck that guy. I want him dead. Mm. So he goes and finds a guy who's willing to kill this guy for him. And that guy goes and finds a guy who's willing to kill that guy for him. And that guy is this guy in issue three. And he goes and finds a guy. And every time they they are finding one other guy, like it starts off with $100,000. And then he goes to another guy. He's like, hey, man, it's 50 grand. I'll give you 1000 up front. And once it's done, so he's going to keep 50 and he's going to give that guy 50. Mm-hmm. So the guy who's going to get 50 goes to the next guy and says, hey, man, it's $20,000. And I'm going to give you $1,000 up front. So he's going to t- you know, take 20 grand. So this guy goes to another guy and says, hey, man, it's $8,000. I'm going to give you $500 up front. So everyone just keeps having the number because they don't want to do it, but they know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. And this is the penultimate issue. And again, it's hilarious in that it's so good. It's so simple. It's so, yeah, this was what really would happen in real life. And I want to point out the way that it's drawn. Uh, Mike Diodato, of course, is an amazing artist, and people, I'm not the first or the tenth to have said that, but the artwork looks like it's almost just photos. Like, it's not super realism like Alex Ross, but it looks like the kind of thing you would see on a TV series. Like, the, the, the lighting works, the faces all look very human, nobody looks distorted or superhero-esque or out of place. I like the idea of the shadowing is not just color, but like Actually, the actual the scratching. Yeah, yeah, the scratch lines. It looks like a real person. Like, the best way I can explain it is, do you know what cell shading is? I feel like I've heard that term, but I, I couldn't tell. I, couldn't I just, I just feel like the book is cel shaded. It, it's Jeff McComsey, whom I absolutely adore. I cannot wait to read issue four. I already know how it's going to end. Mm-hmm. The, the reason why I know how it's going to end is because the fourth guy's going to die too. I imagine, but I don't care. Maybe I'm totally wrong. That's fine. The fourth man is going to be a four issue miniseries from Vol- uh, from AWA Upshot. Pardon me. It's so good. I really enjoyed it. It's such a change of pace. Now we're going to get into some crazy stuff. The final issue of Joy Operations. It ended. And how do you feel? I felt that it ended. It ended. How many issues was that? Issue five. It was fine. It was. It, it really did feel like Brian Bendis was like, all right, I got a five-issue run in me. Here we go. All right, there you are. So you were really excited at first. I was really excited because I love Brian Michael Bendis. I love that he's, he's so... And Stephen Brin's an amazing artist, too. So I was really excited for this book. But after the third issue, I was like, all right. And the thing about issue one that I thought was so cool was that it takes place in this distant future, and like we're creating a whole new, like, you know, remember the whole Crash thing that I was talking about with Batman Beyond, Mm -hmm. and how Crash the Mode, and they've got like different versions of things called like the Trust and all this other stuff. But we never really get that deep into what those words mean. The whole series wraps up very neatly, very You're succinctly. Just supposed to accept it. Yeah, I, and I don't like that. I love when Bendis is given an opportunity to really flesh out an entire universe. I love Jinx. I love Torso. I loved his run on Avengers. It, it just felt very truncated, and the ending is quite abrupt. And it's very much like bingo, bango, bingo, bango, bingo, bango, done. Oh, okay. Do you feel like maybe this is because it was only five issues and maybe they had to cram too much in and not explain certain things or really kind of get into certain things, but they wanted to introduce those details from that world? Like, example, yeah. with, you know, the just how they spoke, you know, certain terminologies and stuff like that. Like, maybe they couldn't really explain it all and didn't really have time because they needed to focus on the story. 
um, but they don't want to ignore the fact that this is a different time, this is a different universe, whatever. There's going on. there's they, they, so they much. Like to know that yeah. this wasn't our time. There's so much that is left on the table, as it were. And, and what you're saying is exactly how I feel. Exactly how I feel. Is there was so much more. I'm like, no, 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 tell me more about this. Tell me more about that. What exactly is the trust? Why are there so many trusts? What is a trust? And the problem is that when you only have five issues to tell one story, you have so many interesting, cool things going on. Like those crazy, weird, like, attack blobs of dust that, like, rip a guy in half. And like, explain that more to me. What are, what are those? Are they nanobots? What exactly... There's just so much going on, and then there's the girl that's living inside her head, who's also her narrator, who isn't her narrator, it's her, it's Joy's friend, and then sure enough, I was right, that person who's living inside Joy's head, who's going, she's just going to leave her one day, it's a suicide mission, just like I said it was going to be. They did a very good job explaining that. But then the book ends with a very happy ending, and I was sort of like, alright, cool, I, I guess that's all we got. Mm. It was fine! But I didn't want it to be fine. I wanted it to be incredible because I love Brian Bendis and Stephen Brin is an amazing writer, uh, artist. So I want, well, maybe he's a good writer too. I don't know if I've read anything of his. But I wanted more. I came in with massive expectations and I got a very good comic. Is that a bad thing? No, of course not. But my expectations weren't met. Do you think that there's any possibility of. Uh Second volume. Maybe jumping into like a prequel to things. A prequel like is a certainly on the table. Uh, side story. A whole world is built here. The problem is, is at the end, Brian Bendis like writes us a little note where you know he's basically saying that's it for now. Head over to Jinx World or, or Substack or Twitter or Instagram, and you can say hello. Uh, you can get updates and everything going on in real time, including stuff that's going on outside of comics. So. I don't know. Maybe this is it. Maybe maybe like, like there was no hint. Yeah, and Jinx World is, of course, Brian Bendis's whole uh, thing. Like Malar World, Jinx World. I'm down. I've been down with Brian Bendis for 20 years. Ever since I met him at MegaCon, and, and he was willing to talk to me at his booth and signed a whole bunch of comics for me and gave me a whole bunch of answers. I think that dude is fucking awesome. I love Brian Bendis. I wish I got more out of this. I just I I, I think what it is is my expectations were set to 10. And the book came in at, like, 8. And I'm like, but I wanted a 10! Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Alright. Still liked it. Don't get me wrong. Still would, still would say go read it. The next three books are picks of the week. But there's only one actual pick of the week. Okay. Not surprising, we start with Harley Quinn, issue 13. This, of course, by Stephanie Phillips and Riley Rosmo. Two of my favoriteest peoples on the face of the earth. And it starts with Verdict getting the last laugh in a very, very Punisher-esque moment where there's a mobster uh, having a birthday party and uh, Verdict jumps out of a birthday cake and immediately starts popping caps and people left, right, and center going straight up Frank Castle on them in a number of Punisher Warzone comics and, interestingly enough, wearing a Harley Quinn costume. Remember what I said originally about what I think Verdict is. Hmm. I think Verdict is a split of Harley's personality. I think Harley has tried really hard to be this great superhero who tries to help people and doesn't kill anyone anymore. And she also just lost Ivy, and they mentioned that again. Like she has like almost a bit of a nervous breakdown with when Kevin, her buddy, comes to see her. I think Verdict. Is, do you remember that episode of Batman the Animated Series where we find out that Two Face is the judge as well? And he creates this whole, like, he had a whole other personality lodged in the back of his head, and the judge was, like, this murderous, like, executioner. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's what's happening here. Ah, very good. And the way, and the only reason why I know that is she has green eyes, and I believe Harley has green eyes too. But she could be wearing contacts. She's definitely wearing a Harley costume. We don't know who Verdict is yet. We don't know who she is, but we know that she likes to literally scoop people's eyeballs out of their heads and leave them sort of laying there to die. And she's framing Harley Quinn. Meanwhile, our Harley Quinn, still fun-loving weirdo, you know, roller skating, hijacks a truck that is on its way to the garbage dump because it's full of food. And that's what happens in our society is they take giant trucks full of perfectly good food and they go dump it somewhere and they don't feed people with it because there's no money to be made in that. So thank you, Stephanie Phillips, for that bit of social commentary, which I think is phenomenal. Um, And Harley rescues it and brings it to a bunch of her clown friends and everyone gets to eat for another night. Also, there's a great appearance by Waffle. Who doesn't love Waffle? (laughs) But the the story is clearly going to be about Verdict. Uh, we also have a brand new introduction of a whole new uh, rookie cop who um, I'm sure is going to be a big part of the series as well. Uh, this was really, really, really good. Uh, it has a very interesting ending as well. It would have been my pick of the week if the other two books did not exist. So if you're not reading Harley Quinn, what do I got to do to get you to read Harley Quinn? Do I got to do, I, I, do, I, do, I do my crazy hand thing? Yeah, yeah. That's so weird. Thank you. Do I got to do, do, do my fingers thing? Do I got to do this with crab hands? Read Harley Quinn! Is it another ending? It's the end. It's the end for now. Okay. Okay, here we go. Here I go. Oh, here I go. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, Maniac of New York. Oh, the Bronx is burning. Oh, it's the end. It's the end. This was one of the coolest issues I've ever read. This is issue four of Maniac of New York, Bronx is Burning. Of course, issue, uh, volume one went five issues, volume two went uh, four issues. I don't know if we're going to get a volume three. I'm all on board if we do. There's plenty of stuff left unresolved here. But I gotta tell you, this is one of the coolest moments in comics, period. The Maniac is in uh, Yankee Stadium. The worst case scenario is happening. A bomb is going off in Yankee Stadium on opening day. That bomb is Harvey. Or Harry, Harry, pardon me, Harryak, the maniac of New York, Harryak, Harry, the maniac of New York. And he is literally cutting a swath through all the people here. I'm going to give this away. It is one of the coolest scenes in comics. Everyone is, is you know, yellow except for Harvey, uh, Harry, Harry, damn it, except for Harry and all the people he's murdering. The worst case scenario is happening. Our heroes see that it's happening. Uh, our team. Uh, our two uh, heroines find Harry. They find him murdering people. They throw immediately a one Molotov cocktail on him because they know that Harry is uh, susceptible to being burned. They throw another one. And <laughs> Zelda, uh, uh, Gina tells Zelda, I'm going to swear a lot. And then she uh, starts remembering her boyfriend who was killed. Remember, this is a play on Jason on Friday the 13th, so they were killed at a summer camp. And she yells, burn, motherfucker! And she throws another one on him. Burn, motherfucker! (laughs) And it's so great. And I'm not going to give away what happens next, but I'm just going to let Elle see it. Because Elle has watched all the Friday the 13th movies. She's pseudo-read all of The Maniac of New York with me. Is that what's going to happen? Oh, better. One of the most satisfying moments in comics. 
absolutely fantastic. Also, I got the Dawn of the Dead variant cover because I'm a big nerd. I love Maniac in New York. I really, truly hope it is not the end of the series. If it is, though, thank you. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Elliot. Thank you so much, Andrea. Thank you so much, Taylor. Thank you so much, Aftershock Comics. What a wonderful, wonderful run it was. Remember how I said that issue five didn't feel like issue five? It felt like issue one of volume two? Mm. This feels like the end of the series. There is the little girl who knows the secret of the maniac and knows how to stop him, Mm -hmm. and she never really gets her story finished. So there's certainly more story there that maybe needs to be told. There's a moment where they mention that the maniac uh, was just some guy who was just burned. He He wasn't anyone special. I know that's complete bullshit. We know that is a trope from the Friday the 13th storyline. So I I am very excited at the opportunity for more Maniac of New York, but I will say this. If that is the end of Maniac of New York, fantastic. Just absolutely loved it. Uh, There is, of course, as with many of the Aftershock comics and as with uh, any issue that ends a series, there's a loving note from Elliot at the end here uh, thanking us for all, you know, thanking us fans and letting us know Uh, And I'm going to read just a little portion here. Maniac of New York started as a way for me to express some of my bigger disappointments in the human species. But looking back at the story arc you finished reading, I feel slightly more hopeful. And I I gathered that. It's such a great series. So fun. I want more. But I understand that may be it. And that's okay. If there's more, though, I I would. I'll take it. I'll take more. We here at the Read Pile have three specific creators that we tend to read at least one issue of theirs every single week. And those three creators are Ella Strange, if you would be so kind. Colin Bunn, Tom King, and Tom Taylor. They are the pillars that make the Read Pile. And our fourth pillar, she's coming back to comics, and I can't wait to read that. This week I have Tom King and Greg Smallwood's Human Target Issue 6. This is the last issue of the book for like six months. Um, it won't be back out again until, I think, September, um, and then we're going to get the last six issues then, so this is the end of season one. Um, God, what more do I say about Human Target? Uh, the art is probably... The art is so good, and there is a moment in here that harkens back to some of the original days of the Justice League International, and it also gives us a big heads up that this is a black label comic and that anything... Literally anything is possible. I showed L what I was talking about last night. What was your revelation? What was your feeling when you when you read what I showed you? Uh, pretty fucked up. Pretty fucked up. <laughs> pretty fucked up. Um, it also really delves into the idea of you know what these heroes can do to each other. So Guy Gardner shows up and Ice and uh, Christopher are in bed together. You know, Chris is still trying to solve his murder. He only has like six days left. Uh, he's falling in love with this uh, with this superhero, Ice, and he knows that he's going to break her heart because he's dying. And he doesn't want to tell her he loves her, but at some point he just tells her he loves her and that he's sorry. And she feels the same way. It's this very, you know, very star-crossed lovers situation where you know that one is doomed, and I will say this, up until this issue, I was very confident that Christopher was going to get saved, that Human Target would not die, uh, because it's a superhero comic, and he's sort of a superhero, and and whatnot, so, you know, you just sort of figure they're going to figure something out, and even in the book, they mention how some heroes can create miracles, and it's not that hard to believe that a miracle could happen at any point in time, and then this issue happens, and they say, no, this is a black label comic, 
we do what we want in Black Label, nothing matters, we can get away with what we need to get away with. And there is such an incredible moment in here that it literally took my breath away. It's one of those moments where you just sort of go, oh shit, oh shit! And you just stand there and look at the page for a couple of seconds. I really love the idea that they explained the finality of that moment, too. And how maybe they could have done something to stop it. Or maybe they could have done something to prevent it or reverse it. But by the time they got around to, you know, recognizing that, it was much, 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 much too late. I love that that Tom King made great effort to explain, no one is coming no, back. This is done. This is it. This is done. And, and that's it. And that's over with. And it, it's just such an amazingly powerful moment in time. And you're just... And again, if you're a big nerd like me, it's a great callback to one of the biggest moments in Justice League International history, too. And it's really well done. I... Get Human Target Volume 1. You know what? Get Mr. Miracle. Uh, uh, what's the other one that I just read? Get uh, uh, it's a Strange Tale. Get, uh, Strange Adventures. Greg Smallwood and Tom King are doing such amazing work together get on board. And you're reading Batman Catwoman, which is Tom King as well, uh, but a different artist, I believe, whose name now suddenly escapes me. But, again, yeah. it doesn't matter. Uh, Tom King is, is firing on all cylinders. Get on board with his stuff. And, whew, good things. Alright, so our picks of the week are Rogues Issue 1 uh, from uh, Joshua Williamson, DC Comics, and The Human Target Issue 6 of 12. I also recommend for you picking up uh, Maniac of New York and Harley Quinn because they are great, and Maniac of New York is just wrapped up. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, that's all. All the all the black label books have like fun covers. You can you can see it shimmy. See, there's no shimmer on. Oh, there's a shimmer over here. Yeah. And then on the back, there's a shimmer. All right, everybody, that wraps up this week's episode of The Read Pile. Uh, we're just going to go through our thank yous real quick, because last week, about this time, Twitter decided to cut off, so I'm going to try and get this out of the way real fast. Thank you to the Space Bastards, Bountiful Garden, Hate of Heroes, EricPolicki.com, The IndieCast, which is our sister show, Mad Cave, Dap Sports, AJ Schumacher, Glurk and Bo at BG Comics, and, of course, make sure you visit Instagram to follow Elle Lestrange's blog, So You Have a Chronic Illness. It documents her days and her lives with dank memes, dark humor, and just going through things. <laughs> uh, did you see it? Did you see it? Did you see it? I almost did it. I almost got it done, and then it flickered for a second, and I don't know what the fuck that was, but we're just going to call it a day. Thanks for watching, everybody, and until next week, say goodbye, Elle. Bye, Elle. Yeah, come on. No, it won't stop. There we go. There we go. And...